And we're on. All right, welcome to Playing Karate in the Garage. We're on what, episode number five now? Yeah, hi everyone, and welcome to episode number five. If, yeah, if we're going right from the beginning, number five. And today we're going to be talking about a couple of things. One of them is going to be the uh, the bodybuilding competition that we that we uh, attended last uh, was it last Saturday or last Sunday? Last Sunday. yeah, last Sunday yeah. at um, at Gaimia Trades Club or something like that. I think it was the inaugural event for the women's um, for the the Sydney. The Sydney Women's Open. It was the inaugural event. So the IBBF yes, official. And, yes, and there was a lot of uh, former, um, I think, New South Wales and Australia bodybuilding champions and uh, personalities from you know from that nature. Yeah, it was a very interesting, very interesting competition. So it was the very first all-female bodybuilding comp, and it went from bikini right through to figure and to physique. So there weren't any bodybuilding divisions, which I found a little bit disappointing, but yeah. then again... But then again, I think, you know, it was an inaugural event. I'm pretty sure that, you know, from here on, things will just go up, and yeah. then there will be more competitors, because there was a lot of uh, competitors that I think came from Perth, Adelaide, from all over. It was a big event. It was actually very interesting to see these girls, and you could tell it. There a lot of effort went into what they did. I had no idea about the, the hair and the makeup and how important just the outfit is. The high heels have scared the hell out of me. <laughs> so, yeah, the stripper heels and the the walking onto the stage with your tan, your makeup. The makeup and yeah, hair is uh, massive. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, there was even one company over there that were advertising their services. And they could do everything for you, your tanning, your hair, your makeup. They could even help you with your posing, and that's another thing that I wasn't that I wasn't aware of how important it is to know how to pose. And apparently, there's workshops, there's courses that you can do. <coughs> Excuse me, <laughs> to to um to pose. So they recommend that you start posing months before you even think about getting on the stage. That's going to be an interesting part of it. There's a lot seems to be. A lot more elements that I originally considered. So I think you know it's it's a whole different world. It is it is a whole different world. It's very intimidating. I tell you that I've been training for a very long time, and so I don't know how you felt, but I'm looking at all these girls, thinking, "Wow, not only has a lot of work gone into this, but this is this is so different than any other competition that I've ever done before." It seemed very nerve wracking, and it seemed very very nitpicky on things on perfection on absolute perfection and fair enough when you're when you're fighting the performances is everything that counts now yeah you might be working on your technique you might have a game plan <laughs> i thought you were gonna say you you might be working on your tan, <laughs> working on your tan. <laughs> because you know they always say that the fighter that shows up to the ring or to the cage with a mad tan it's not going to perform so well. With a mad tan? Yeah. Why do you say that? Yeah, 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 with a mad tan. You know, he's been tanning. He's been working on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ha ha. Wow. Well, either that or he's very good and he's very confident that, you know, he's had time to go and get a tan. Okay. Well, there you go. These ones had 
sometimes some of them had a few too many layers of tanning. But um yeah, I don't know if I'll need that much. So that was that was the interesting thing. Now where that has me now is still gonna try for it. Feeling very intimidated, but still gonna try and still gonna hit the goals and try to get back into training. Really happy with training. Yeah, how how's the the training going? Like, uh, what sort of routine have you got going? What sort of plan are you following? What stage are you up to with that? At the moment, it's very informal. So the way they used to train was one body part a day, training five days a week, really focusing on on each. Except I never trained arms. So this is the first time I'll be training arms. My theory behind that is if you're training back, you're training your biceps anyway. You train your chest and shoulders, you train your triceps anyway. So there was no need to double up on arms, especially being a girl. There was no need for it. I wanted the compound movements, really focus on compound movements. However, now there's more on having that definition, that isolation, those isolation exercises. And it's proving very interesting. So it's going to be fun. And at the moment, what I'm doing is keeping it, keeping it informal and keeping it fun. I know that I will have to crack down and perhaps have a very strict plan, even write it down. I don't want to get to that stage. So I think I mentioned this to you a while back. Now, my theory is that everything we do in our day takes cognitive effort. So let's say you're you're making a list, you're planning your you're planning your schedule, you're paying your bills, whatever it is, it takes effort and it takes that almost that oh, what do you call it, willpower. And my opinion is we only have a set amount of willpower per day. Now, if I'm using it up in the gym writing down every single exercise that I do, I'm not going to have the the ability or at least just the drive to go and do the next thing. However, at this stage at least, if I just get the workout done, really power through it, I can be happy at the end of the workout to say, all right, yeah, I did six exercises, I worked my legs, I'm feeling the burn, and that's it. Now, the only reason why I always recommend keeping uh, a track record using a small exercise book, even though that I'm guilty of not doing this myself, However, whenever I'm recommending it to someone that's only getting started or to one of my clients, I'll, t- I'll tell them, buy a nice little exercise book and start recording everything that you do. Like day by day, set down your program. What exercises you're going to be doing, what machines you're going to be using, your rep range, your set range, and the weight that you've, that you've been lifting. Also on the bottom, if you want, you can have notes of how you felt on that day, what your energy levels were. That way you can go back uh, you know, a few weeks later, and you can see your progress. Are you lifting more? Are you lifting less? How how are you feeling now before your workouts or during your workouts? Just for that for that reason, so that you're keeping track. Definitely good for those who have just started. It also is a good novelty, and you know how novelty keeps us interested in what we're doing and gets us motivated. So a lot of us, especially girls, will buy a new gym outfit. <laughs> a diary. Not a diary, a gym <laughs> outfit, okay, and we're, you know, well, I don't know, some cute little matching thing, and we're ready to hit the gym just because we've got a new outfit. That's how it is. That could also serve that purpose. Fair enough. Now, in my case, I know if I have that diary, it's going to bore me to death, so I'd rather not. 
I'd rather just stick to getting in there, doing my thing, and then enjoying it. And getting out of there. And getting out of yeah, pretty much. So that's that's it for the bodybuilding. We'll keep you guys updated and uh, let you know how I go. I'm moving on to something else. This is I actually got a sent an interesting article by a good friend of mine. So shout out to Latino Blast Babe Helen for this one. And it was an article on green bananas and helping you to lose body fat. Have you seen this one? No, I haven't. However, green bananas, I didn't know that you know they could do that, but they can be... Oh, well, go on. I'll, I'll let you finish with what you were going to say with, about the article and then I'll tell you. So this report basically goes into how you have your green bananas, which are rich in resistant starch. This is something I want to talk to you about. The resistant starch being, um, or it will, it's a slow releasing, they say it's slow releasing, so you won't have that carb, that insulin spike. As a result, your body produces glucagon, which is a hormone. When your blood sugar levels are low, your, your body produces glucagon, and that helps to mobilize fat as energy. So then, as a result, you burn fat faster. So to me, this is yet another, yet another thing that we waste our time on. Fair enough, you know, these things on a molecular level, they'll work. Resistance such, I have a different opinion on, but there are always interactions, things like thermogenics. Yes, thermogenics will work, but there's no point in taking a thermogenic pill and then going and having a donut. Forget it, it's not going to do anything for you. If you're using a thermogenic fat pill or whatever to help motivate you, to give you that that kick up the butt that you need to get into your training and nutrition, fair enough. Most of us though use that as a little, as a crutch. You you have a, you know you're, you're not eating that well, you know you're not training as much as you should, or you're not doing the right sort of training, and you have your diet pill thinking that it's going to work, it's just a waste of money. So this is um, an interesting thing. So the thing with resistant starch. Now, resistant starch is not digestible. It passes through the body or passes through your digestive system. What it does is it feeds the bacteria in your gut, which produce butyric acid. Butyric acid feeds gut or feeds, sorry, feeds bacteria that reside in your colon. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it helps your immunity and all that sort of stuff. Now. Resistance foods that contain resistant starch would be things like rice that's been cooled down. That's one type of resistant starch. They say green bananas have one type as well, and there are a whole bunch of foods. Some are synthetic that they're making. What I don't like about it is you're eating a food that's not actually feeding you, but feeding the bacteria inside of you. Now, I don't know. I want to eat food that's going to fuel me, not bacteria residing inside of me. Butyric acid, that comes from butter. Why don't I eat butter? I benefit from the good fats, and I have the butyric acid right there. It's good enough. The idea of resistant starch, I'm not convinced. Uh, there needs to be a lot more research, and I'd love to read a lot more papers on this. The stuff that I've read, yeah, there seems to be some good points, and there seems to be some, you know, not so convincing points. Unconvincing when it comes to the need to have synthetic resistant starch i don't think there's any reason to have anything synthetic in your diet i think we already have enough synthetic stuff in our diet exactly especially in this day and age there you go now that's my little 
beyond that, and I think we'll continue talking about glucagon and insulin another time. There is one thing I really wanted to ask you about. So we're gonna we're gonna switch. So we've talked about our bodybuilding. We're going <laughs> on to our, our food. I actually wanted to talk about martial arts with you in particular, and a lot of people I know won't be able to relate, and others will. Martial arts and training. Maybe you just do a cardio kickboxing class. Whatever it is. That idea of hitting things and really getting that the the aggression. One thing you spoke to me about a long time ago, and I want to hear this again, is when you spoke to me about soft skills and martial arts and soft skills in particular. I just wanted you to tell me a bit about that, and just repeat what you said to me, and and add on any additional information that you never explained before. Okay, so well, basically, you know, your soft skills, well, your soft skills and your harder skills in martial arts are what makes you a true martial artist. I think that you know things, you know, the sort of the early to the mid nineties, due to the explosion of uh, No Holds Barred, that later changed name onto mixed martial arts, and nowadays we have the the very popular UFC, which is the Ultimate Fighting Championship. A lot of, you know, people, both males and females nowadays, have started practicing this this sport, you know, called uh, mixed martial arts. Or other um or other sports that um that are sports, that's what they are. Like, you know, your kickboxing, your mixed martial arts, they are very modern. They happen in a ring, in a controlled environment. And we get these high-level athletes because that's what they are. They are very well trained, and they are athletes, the the fittest, the strongest, the very very good, who are practicing martial arts for this level of competition. Now, what happens is that all of those soft skills they are lost, so they only end up with these hard skills, which is the martial part of uh, the martial part of it, but they don't end up with the art. So they end up being martial athletes instead of martial artists because a martial artist will be someone that that goes that you know lives his life as that as a martial artist that's you know his lifestyle if we can look into history um if we can look at the at the samurai in ancient in ancient uh, japan the samurai was very skilled with uh, the long sword which is uh which was the katana and with the other oh, i can't remember the name of them but they are two small uh, swords they were really good at uh, hand-to-hand combat, fighting with a sword. They were good uh, at a strategy. However, they were encouraged to participate in plays, to take up calligraphy, to take up painting, because those were all of the soft skills. And those soft skills, they created a balance that gave them the hard skills of fighting, but also the soft skills. So there was a fine balance with with both of those. If we if we look at other other warriors like let's say uh, the the knights of uh, medieval Europe, same thing. They had a good balance of fighting skills and softer skills. What would they do for soft skills? They were scholars. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, they they were scholars. There were people that they you know they knew about literature. They knew about music. So there was a fine balance, which a lot of times gets lost, especially in modern martial arts. Can we because... apply this sorry to cut in on you, but yeah, yeah. can we apply this to let's say all right, you're working 
let's say you work a regular job nine to five and you go to the gym every day and you're pounding it hard at the gym, could we relate that to hard skills as well? Um, are we talking about a martial arts gym? No, 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 no. Just talking just about just, just anything. You know, you're the way that you say this, people would train and they would, of course, you know, co- do participate in combat and all that sort of stuff. Now, would you relate, how do I say, the modern day lifestyle with forgetting about those soft skills? Yeah, definitely. Because I think our modern lifestyle and the media and everything around us has created a, a different image of, of what it is. Like, you know, see, just going to back to martial arts for a second. To me, martial arts is a vehicle to help me improve myself, to help me become better. That's what it is. That's why, to me, it becomes a lifestyle. And that's how I like to, that's how I like to, to talk about it whenever I talk about it with, you know, teammates or with my, or with my clients. I tell them that, you know, the goal here is to become better as you, a better version of you. It doesn't matter that, that you know, that you're, you're not the best ass kicker in the whole class, but you're becoming better as a human being. Now, um, if you wanted to relate this back to, to the gym, you were talking about there's also going to be the harder skills when you go there and you start smashing through those reps and lifting those big weights and everything else but at the same time whenever you're lifting the the iron as you would know and let's say that you were benching 40 kilos today or this morning whenever whenever you go under that bench no matter where you go 40 kilos is always going to be 40 kilos so those weights those plates they're never going to lie to you so, whenever you go into that gym, that has to be your your me time. We yes. need to be able to concentrate and come together, you know, both with your mind and with your body, because there's no two. The body and the mind, they are connected. They're not separated and they're not, uh, and, and, you know, they're not different. They're one. And if one is not doing well, the other one's going to feel it, or vice versa. Yeah? So, whenever you get there, you need to be mind and body, they need to be together. And you really need to sort of you know, concentrate and focus on what you're doing. So we need to build up our mental abilities. Exactly. Exactly. And be able to sort of live into that moment. And there's nothing better than, you know, when you're struggling to bench those, those 40, 60 kilos. There's nothing more that's going to pull you on that, on that moment. Yes. Yeah, so and help you focus. Let's take this a bit further. Now... We've got people who train in martial arts, which is a small percentage. We have people who compete in martial arts or any sort of sport, which is an even smaller percentage. Let's look at everybody else. So would you say, how do I say this? The whole idea of me time, this is what I'm, I want to get at. And this is one big element that I bring to my clients. The fact that when you're in the gym, you forget your family, you forget your work. Of course, you know pending an emergency, everything that you do in the gym is for you. So you can leave your stresses at the door. And it's one of those important aspects of training. This is why I was asking you about in the general sense and how we always focus on performance, performance, performance. Everything has to be about getting in there, getting this done, going to work, hitting those deadlines picking the kids up, making sure that they're okay. Everything is about just rushing it. So there's no time to just slow down and focus on the self. 
It seems that a lot of people these days are using the time in the gym as me time. There's pros and cons with that, where this me time at the gym, you're still participating in something that is, unless you're doing yoga, physically extensive. There's no actual focus, there's no me time where you bring down the intensity. Yeah, in, in a way, I think that you need to find something that you really enjoy because a lot of times we're waiting for the weekend, we're waiting for we're waiting for the holiday that's coming up, we're waiting for summer, and we're always sort of living in the future and we forget to live sort of in the present. So even if you're on that gym and you're lifting and you're really trying to get fit to fit into a, into a nice dress, you're missing the whole point, and the whole point is enjoying what you're doing and the journey to get there. Interesting. Yeah, otherwise you're just going to be focusing, focusing, focusing on, on that goal that you have. Yes. But you, have, you haven't enjoyed the process. And, and I think that that's why it's so important that you find something that you really enjoy, that it becomes fun. Because if it isn't fun, it just becomes a routine. Now, how will we develop our soft skills, though? This is the question. So, either way, yeah, you're in the gym, you're, you're doing what you're doing and enjoying it. It's still a stress on your body. It's still a hard skill. What soft skills could we pursue to balance ourselves? You would need to find something that you like, something that you enjoy doing. Like, um, for instance, I like doing yoga here and there. That's sort of, you know, my balance. Here and there. <laughs> That's sort of, you know, my balance. But you need to find something that you enjoy doing, whether it is, you know, photography, learning how to draw, even, even you know, a lot of people, they enjoy talking. I get this. Or listening to others. So it's a creative outlet or a creative expression of yourself. Exactly. That doesn't require strenuous physical exertion. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So, yeah, and, I got this now. And, and that's, <laughs> Took me a while. And that's all that it is, practically. But you need to find your own, you know, your own form of expressing yourself. Because if you're sort of, you know, looking at what other people are doing, you're not going to be an individual. So sometimes it might take you a little while until you find. Oh, it's good to have that explanation. I was just wondering. We know about the samurais doing flower arranging, for instance. Yes. And that was interesting, but then, you know, I never really connected this whole idea of a creative expression. That's what it is, a creative expression, just to... And, and I think it goes back to that Eastern philosophy of yin and yang. The black and the white, the night and the day, keeping the balance of both. Woman and man. Woman and man, you know, <laughs> that that's what it is. Like, you know, there needs to be that balance always. Otherwise, if if you're unbalanced... You know, your whole life and your whole outlook is going to sort of suffer. I like that. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, we we see sometimes a lot of people that have been spending too much time on either the soft or the hard skills, more in the hard skills, that then they cannot live sort of a normal life anymore because they cannot switch it off. This happens to a lot of athletes. Yes. Because they are under a lot of pressure. They have just been focusing, 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 and not treating it um, uh, you know, as it should be. They have forgotten about the balance. 
that's good to know so there you go find your soft skill and and work on it and work on it <laughs> and enjoy your training at the same time all right well that's sort of I really was curious about this topic so I, I had to ask you and I know I, I probably put you on the spot with yeah, this yeah, yeah you did put me on the spot but yeah that's what it basically is all right well this you know we're having informal conversations so whatever whatever as long as it makes sense did you want to talk about anything that we just previously touched on well um I know that you have been to see your oh my naturopath today. yeah today I saw so her today yeah. how did that go Fantastic. We had this follow-up consultation and went into more of the, the treatment plan that she has for me and what I've been doing and how I've been feeling. Now, something that you mentioned to me earlier today briefly about the test that normally, uh, you know, your normal GP will send you to get done. The, the blood, TSH the test. The TSH Thyroid. And apparently uh, that's all fake. It's not fake. It's not okay, fake. So... Is it expanded that? Okay. So <laughs> it's... You go to your... Home, your doctor or your GP to get a TSH test, which is a thyroid stimulating hormone test. And I was told by my naturopath today, that TSH test is not necessarily a thyroid test, it's more of a brain test. It's not going to look at your daily fluctuations of your TSH, sorry, your, your thyroid hormone. It doesn't go into the specific hormones that make up your entire combination of thyroid hormone. That's your you know, T1, T2, T3, T4. It's not going to give you a proper snapshot of where you are right now. It's going to give you a very general overview. And most of the time, it's not going to tell you shit. So, so is there any benefit on getting it? Still? The TSH test? Sometimes there might be. You may have very elevated TSH hormones. This, it's, what's it called, Graves, Graves, Graves disease, where your uh, thyroid is hyperactive. You're producing too much thyroid hormone. That's when you have immunity issues and you have this, this Graves disease. Uh, this disease is often a result of a virus from my research. And sometimes the TSH test can indicate, through having elevated levels, can indicate that, yeah, you may... You'll still come up as normal in the majority of cases. However, you may have an indication. Now, there could be a bit of a controversy from what I have been hearing about doing the TSH test and the Medicare not wanting to pay for the T3, T4 test. So that's why the range is presented as it is and everyone is listed as normal so this is God, uh, right. this is something that i heard today so the whole thing is you know your, your thyroid comes back as normal you don't have to get any additional tests if you have any issues for instance when i had the elevated liver liver issues now i can get a test that's covered by medicare and that's because of that particular issue if you have a normal range of whatever value, whatever uh, variable you're looking at, sorry, uh, that you're looking at, you won't be covered for a test and you have to pay for it. And there could be something in that. Now, we all like a good controversy. <laughs> so either way, getting that TSH test, get it. It can't hurt. If you're outside the range, then you need to seriously think about what's going on. If you're not outside the range, doesn't mean that 
it's still great. You might have issues that are consistent with having a thyroid imbalance. And it could be things such as, like I mentioned before, feeling excessively of cold, fatigue. You might feel just burnt out, chronically tired. This is the funny thing about today. When I went to my naturopath before, you know, I had all these symptoms and she asked me the whole range, the whole range of issues and went into quite a lot of detail about gut health and bowel movements and sometimes you think, oh, it's a little bit too much detail, but hey, they need to know. (laughs) And so she gave me a bunch of supplements and herbal things and herbal things are very interesting because I went into the ingredients and they're actually quite effective. Today she asked me all these specific questions. So on a general scale, I might say, yeah, I'm not really, you know, I'm feeling a little bit tired today. I've had a big day. Don't really feel that great. And just saying it from that perspective, you can't gauge the difference. She actually asked me specifics. So for instance, she's given me B1 and she asked me, oh, so how do you feel when you take the B1? And I thought about it. And you know what? I feel freaking awesome. <laughs> I've been slipping you B1 as well in your supplement stacks. So I will make occasionally when we train together with, we'll make, or I'll make up supplement stacks for myself and I'll make up supplement stacks for you. And what's been happening so far is normally I'll have the t- traditional magnesium, fish oil, glucosamine, all that sort of stuff. And just by default, I've been adding B1 to our supplement stacks. I don't know if you've noticed any difference. No, so, because I didn't know it was there. <laughs> I've been slipping you this, this supplement. I've been slipping you You could have been sleeping anything in a wooden <laughs> would have been, You would have been anybody's. <laughs> I have, I've been slipping some vitamin B into your, your stack. So after you've taken it, I'm not sure if you've noticed any increase in energy, any sort of feeling of vitality. No. Well, I think you know, you always feel very energetic. Yeah, you'll go <laughs> that way. Well, as for myself, the B1 certainly helped. She's also prescribed me, well, not prescribed, but um, given me this probiotic that I take at night. Is that a pill or the little drink it's that you can buy pill. in the supermarket? I asked her about the drink, and here I thought I was so great. She asked me about my, pro- my biotic, probiotic health, and I said, oh, I, I drink my Yakult every night. And she just sort of looked at me and just gave me a slight smile and then shook her head. It's not very effective. The doses, the concentrations are very small. And when you're having it on a supermarket shelf, you don't know if they're still, the culture is still alive or not. The pills, there's a lot more. There's that other pill that, they, mm. that you can get from the chemists that they have on the little fridge. Yes. You know, the one with the ad of the little, of the little blue man with the little legs. Oh, yeah, the commercial Yeah, yeah, brand. yeah, yeah, the commercial brand. I now, couldn't say if that's effective or okay, not. Okay, because, you know, I, I think they recommend that a lot when people come back. Um, they call it the uh, Bali Belly. Deli Belly. Deli Belly? Deli or Bali Belly. I think it's Bali Belly. Bali belly because whenever people come from, from overseas, they come, you know, with a bit of a inflamed gut. Yes, from eating the food and not being... Yes, so they usually recommend that probiotic. Of course, because what will happen is because you've had those symptoms and a lot of, let's say, you've excreted a lot of what's in your your gut, don't forget that the majority, the bulk weight of your your poop 
was actually bacteria. It was dead bacteria. And the waste from a bacteria. Mm-hmm. So you need good gut flora. When you, when you have, you know, the runs and so on, you're basically getting rid of everything in your stomach. So, of course, you have to replenish that. Now, I can't say exactly what, if that, if that brand is good or not. All I know is the one that she's given me is quite good in terms of it's um, meant to be high-grade organic. And in the end of the day, it's worked. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's it. That's really, that's thing. all that matters is that work. But I didn't realize it worked until she asked me. And we always forget this. We know when we feel sick. Fair enough, we know when we feel sick. Sometimes we don't actually realize when we feel better. It's the absence of a negative symptom. And it's interesting when she asked me specifically, so how do you feel about your gut health? Or do you have, are you feeling bloated? I thought, no, not at all. And then I thought, no, I'm not. This is awesome. So I still have issues around tiredness. That is something that perhaps it might be a little bit more, maybe my gut isn't as healthy as it should be. So I'm upping my dosage of that. Mm-hmm. And looking at um, changing the types of herbs, a bit more my liver, detoxing the liver. And hopefully the next time I see her, my energy levels will be up a bit more. Yeah, I'm big on herbs. I totally <laughs> believe in them and, you know, have a lot of faith in them. Especially things like parsley and mint. Yeah. A bit of oregano. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Always put it with, with, with all the food that I'm making. All right. Well, I think we've talked Vito's ears off enough and I think we'll leave it at that. All right. And listen to us next time, please. Keep up us on in your thoughts and subscribe to us if you can on itunes give us a review and we'll we're actually very grateful to all our listeners so far yeah definitely to thank you a uh, big thank you to everyone that's been listening to us and yeah keep listening guys <laughs>